It is Sunday, January 23rd, 2011. This is U62 the Targ. Let's do it! As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Live on a little tiny microchip deep inside some electronics. Broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is U62, the TAR. Now your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, we're ranting about the big Batman announcement, luxury movie theaters, and football fandom. It is episode 4.15, Sour Cream and Onion. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. You 62 the tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. I guess we should take a minute to talk about the big movie news announcement that happened this past week. They have revealed the villains in the next Batman movie, and who will be playing the villains. Two villains in the next Batman movie. First up, Anne Hathaway will be Catwoman. Well, that's the thing, right? Uh, they're not saying she'll be playing Catwoman. They're saying she'll be playing Selina Kyle. So maybe she doesn't become Catwoman until the end of the movie. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Already I'm just going out of control with fan speculation. But, yeah, that's the one thing, though. Anne Hathaway is Catwoman. I'm taking a look at that, and I'm wondering if Anne Hathaway has enough badassitude to be playing Catwoman. But hey, let's not forget, it was not too long ago we were all scoffing at Heath Ledger as the Joker, and look at how well that turned out. So Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, they just might be able to pull this off. Now I mentioned there's two villains. Who's the other villain, you're probably wondering? Why the other villain is Bane. You remember Bane introduced in the comics about 20 years ago? An eight-foot-tall, hulking mass of muscle from South America dedicated his life to destroying Batman and gets his super strength from a designer drug called Venom. Bane will be played by Tom Hardy, which is a really interesting choice. Uh, Tom Hardy, you might remember him as the suave, bald-headed British guy in Leonardo DiCaprio's gang in Inception. Uh, for my fellow Trekkies, though, you probably remember him as Shinzon, the evil clone of Picard in Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, you're kind of probably picturing him in your mind right now, and you're probably thinking, he's not an eight-foot-tall South American hulking mass of muscle. So it's going to be interesting to see how they've reinterpreted Bane for the film. Uh, all in all, though, I am completely thrilled. Ever since The Dark Knight ended, my fanboy dream was always that Catwoman would be the villain in the next Batman film. Mainly because that Halle Berry movie was just so bad that Catwoman is crying to be done right on the big screen. And I think Christopher Nolan is going to do it. Uh, just a quick recap, Christopher Nolan, who directed uh, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and Inception and The Prestige and uh, Memento all those years ago, he is directing the third Batman film. Once again, he co-wrote the script with his brother Jonathan and David S. Goyer. It's going to be called The Dark Knight Rises, 
and it is scheduled for release in June of 2012, and I can hardly wait. But that's not the only movie news that happened this past week. Let's get to the weekly movie news, shall we? From all the corners of the globe, Hollywood, Tokyo, London, Winnipeg, it's time for the weekly movie news. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, time to sit down and take a look at the weekly movie news, some of the headlines that caught my eye this week. First up, we gotta talk about Will Smith and how he's developing all these careers for his children. First, Will Smith gave us a remake of The Karate Kid just so his son could star in it. Now comes word that he's getting ready to remake Annie so his daughter can star in it. I tell you, Annie probably reimagined as a hip-hop musical, that'll be quite the thing to see. Speaking of pointless prequels, did you hear about this? They're going to be doing a prequel to The Wizard of Oz that explains how the wizard wound up in Oz and became the wizard. Originally, Robert Downey Jr. was going to play the wizard, but he is now bowed out because of scheduling conflicts. Negotiations are now underway with Johnny Depp to play the wizard. Sam Raimi, who gave us the Evil Dead trilogy and the Spider-Man trilogy, he is the one responsible for this one. They're shooting for a 2012 release. Speaking of Robert Downey Jr., he is starring in another pointless remake. He has signed on to do the voice of Mr. Peabody in a big screen version of the classic cartoon Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Do you remember this one? This one kind of grew out of the original Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon. Uh, Mr. Peabody was the super intelligent dog with a time machine. Sherman was his pet human and they would go back in time and meet historical figures. Could be quite the interesting thing. This is being put together by DreamWorks Animation, so here's hoping that it's a gooder when it's completed. And lastly, one little bit of the weekly movie news that made a lot of people smile because it concerns something original. Okay, so Ridley Scott, legendary director, gave us Alien Blade Runner Gladiator. He has actually been working on developing a prequel to Alien. Well, this past week he made the announcement that in developing this prequel, it changed the alien mythos so much it greatly expanded away from the alien mythology so they have decided to just make it an original film now instead of being the alien prequel it is now called Prometheus and uh, that should be coming out in 2013 they say if you're a die-hard alien fan you'll be able to watch it and figure out how it was going to be an alien prequel but it's not a prequel anymore it is now completely original yay originality and that's this week's weekly movie news. Everything's better with Mark Chappis. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. Mark Chappis on U62, The Dark. I tell you. 
Featuring Katy Perry, if we ever meet again here on U62 The Targ. Good afternoon, Mark Cap is still here with you. And you know, lots of people have been pondering the future of filmmaking. Because as we all know, they're all worried about the piracy, taking away too much from it. And right now, the uh, big, the most popular method for dealing with piracy and all that is 3D. 3D this, 3D that. I'm one of those guys, I'm not sold on 3D yet. I'm not really seeing what it adds to the movie-going experience. But, you know, that's not the only thing that's being added to the movie-going experience right now. They are trying other things. I just heard the other day that they're going to be building a new movie theater in Edmonton that has what they call their VIP screening rooms. I heard about these a couple of years ago. Apparently, they started in Australia, and they're still very popular down there. So this is what they call the VIP theater. Your seat is like twice the size of a normal seat, and it's overstuffed, so it's really big and really soft and really comfy. Okay, that's pretty awesome right there. Next up, you don't have to wait in line to get all your snacks from the snack counter. They have waiters and waitresses, an entire wait staff that brings the snacks straight to your chair. And the other thing? It is fully licensed. That means you can have a glass of wine, a glass of beer, while you are enjoying the film. That is the VIP theater experience. And they're going to be building one of those in Edmonton. Uh, Cineplex Odeon is rolling out uh, about three of them across Canada. Apparently the other two that already exist are in uh, Toronto and Montreal. And his third one is going to be built at a new common on the south side of Edmonton. I don't know, do you, do you think that'd be a good idea for a movie theater? Don't get me wrong, I like the idea of really big, really comfy chairs. That I am down for. I'm not a drinker, but you know, I can get behind the idea of enjoying a cold beer while you're watching your movie. I should mention that these theaters are going to be for adults only, 18 and over. So there's another perk, no crying babies. But the one thing that I'm still not quite behind is the wait staff that brings the snacks directly to your chair. I mean... 
think about it, it's still really annoying when someone has to get up to go to the bathroom and they walk in front of you. Well, now you're going to have this endless stream of waiters and waitresses walking in front of you, bringing snacks to the people sitting next to you. So I guess I'm going to have to experience it before I completely sign off on it. Uh, but yeah, oh, and of course, it will be much more expensive uh, for the new one that they're building in Edmonton. They're predicting that uh, ticket prices will be $5 more than the average ticket price. But who knows, $5 for a super large extra comfy chair and no screaming babies? That just might be worth it. You'll have to forgive me. Uh, there is no What's Wrong With Society this week. I guess that this was just another great, calm, and centering week for me where nothing got under my skin. Uh, so we'll get to more music after the break. Let's look in the Targ inbox. Dear Mark, what is a Targ anyway? Well, that is a very simple question. A Targ is a Klingon animal. It looks like the Earth Warthog. It is a very popular pet for Klingon children. Worf had one when he was a boy. Yes, the Targ is truly one of the greatest animals in all of Star Trek. Where am I, the planet Cornball? U62, the Targ. Round and round.
Elena Gomez in the scene, round and round here on U62 The Targ. Good afternoon, Matt Tracker still with you. Oh, nope, Mark Kappas, Matt Tracker. I'll explain the origin of that name on a later show, perhaps. But we should probably get to fishing in the discount bin, shouldn't we? Fishing in the discount bin! Alright, welcome to this week's installment of Fishing in the Discount Bin. And on this week's installment, we are doing the number one movie of all time, Avatar. You know, there are many directors in Hollywood who seem to be wrapped up in the technical aspects of filmmaking rather than making a good movie. Many have accused George Lucas of having that mentality when he did the prequels. Robert Zemeckis, another well-known example, he has gone on record as saying the only reason why he made Who Framed Roger Rabbit was because of the technical challenge. And at the very tip-top of that list, James Cameron. Everything I've read about Cameron says this is a guy who loves to push the limits of movie-making technology. He broke ground with computer animation for special effects in The Abyss and Terminator 2. For Titanic, he actually commissioned his engineer brother to develop a movie camera strong enough to film the actual Titanic wreckage at the bottom of the sea. And in addition to that, he built an 80% scale model of the ship. And pushing the limits of technology is always pricey. I remember many years ago I read an interview with him defending Titanic's $200 million budget. He said, I'm making an epic. Epic doesn't come cheap. Anyway, after Titanic, James Cameron took some time off. He had a hunch that 3D was going to be the next big thing, so he once again commissioned his engineer brother to make the most advanced digital movie camera in the world, capable of filming grainy black and white 16mm all the way up to 3D IMAX. His next film was going to be the sci-fi epic Avatar, but no matter how many times Cameron rewrote the script to make it cheaper, the special effects technology of 1999 just wasn't up to snuff. So Cameron decided to wait around for the technology to catch up with his vision. And when he saw Robert Zemeckis' The Polar Express back in 2004, he allegedly called up his friends and said, I think that if we really push the limits of the technology, we can finally make this Avatar. And so they got down to work. Cameron pushed the limits of 3D movie-making technology by designing and filming the entire project in 3D and for IMAX. Cameron wound up breaking his own record for the most expensive movie ever made, as Avatar's final budget was apparently $300 million. But he also broke his own record for number one movie of all time, having made a total of $2.8 billion. It's too bad then that the movie is rather cliched. Number one movie of all time, I'm sure you've seen it by now, our main character is Jake Sully, hard-ass marine who lost his legs in combat. But he's soon approached by a massive conglomerate offering him a second chance. And before you know it, Jake is whisked off to the planet Pandora to pilot an avatar. See, the atmosphere of Pandora is toxic to humans, so a creative solution is the creation of avatars, artificial bodies created by combining the DNA of humans and Na'vi, the Pandoran locals. Humans use these fancy machines to link their minds to the avatars, and then they can roam freely around Pandora. So Jake shows up, he uses his avatar, uh, he soon falls in with the natives, that gets him caught between two worlds, and then suddenly entire war breaks out, and before you know it, Jake has gone native, and he's fighting to defend the Na'vi. See what I mean by a cliched plot? Man sent to infiltrate alien culture, embraces their way of life, and then fights to defend it. That's Dances with Wolves, that's Last Samurai, we've seen it all before. 
There are some great performances going on, though. It's great to see Sigourney Weaver back in form as Grace Augustine, the scientist in charge of the Avatar program, who is an Avatar pilot herself and is also in love with the Na'vi way of life. Fun trivia fact, Weaver says she based her portrayal of Grace, a driven, single-minded person dedicated to pushing the limits of existing technology, on James Cameron. Haha. <laughs> and Zoe Saldana, who you may remember as the new Uhura in the new Star Trek, is also really good as Natiri, our female lead. Sam Worthington is okay as the lead, although he does have trouble masking his native Australian accent from time to time. And I did find the villain, the warmongering Colonel Quaritch, to be a somewhat one-dimensional villain. It seems like his only motivation is just to blow up stuff real good. But let's be real honest, the main reason why I bought this film on Blu-ray was because of its groundbreaking special effects. This is the most seamless blend of computer animation and live action going on. The performance animation for generating the Na'vi, 10 foot tall blue skin cat people in case you haven't seen it, is truly the best performance capture done to date. And I remember seeing this in the theater. I did pay the extra to see it in IMAX 3D because that's what James Cameron wanted. And it wasn't the things popping out of the screen in 3D that impressed me. It was the little things. You know, one of the current tropes of sci-fi films has become holographic displays and computer monitors projected above the keyboard. Well, that's on full display in Avatar, and in 3D, it actually seemed real. It actually seemed like a plausible technology. Uh, but the rest of the film so cliched. Cliched plot, cliched character arc. James Horner did another cliched film score. All in all, it's a very cliched film. But you have to respect the technical achievement. And that's Fishing in the Discount Bin for this week. Fishing in the Discount Bin, brought to you by RentMoviesOnline.com. Is going down to the video store too much social interaction for you? RentMoviesOnline.com. I'm still trying to figure out how to do a good segue from Fishing in the Discount Bin into my final break here. I guess I'm going to figure out a better extra or intro or something in the weeks and months ahead. Good afternoon, Mark Camp is still here with you. We're getting to the end of this week's show, but there's something that came along that I really do have to just rant about. Something came across my desk today. It stirred up old memories in me, and I just got to vent about this. Okay, I used to have this co-worker who constantly derided me for my love of movies. Movies are the lowest form of entertainment, he'd always tell me. All you do is sit in the dark and stare straight ahead for two hours. Why the fuck would you pay $12 for a movie ticket when you can download that shit for free? Only suckers pay for entertainment in this day and age. He would always go on and on like that, trying to get my goat. Now, according to him, the highest form of entertainment, the pinnacle of humankind's achievement, is sports. Specifically, his beloved National Football League. He'd go on and on about his plans to visit every NFL stadium and watch a football game in each and every one. Oh, really? I'd say to him. So you're planning on buying plane tickets, hotel rooms, and finally a $500 football ticket. Why the fuck would you spend all that money when you can stay at home and watch that shit on TV for free? Well, sports is different, he'd grumble. Despite what you think, I have been to a few sporting events in my time, I continued, and a lot of it seems to be, you know, people staring straight ahead in silence while they focus on the game. Sports is different! He was starting to get flustered now. Yeah, it's a whole lot different, I said. In sports, you stare straight ahead in silence for four hours. Sports is just different, he'd say, and he'd walk away in a huff. 
Eventually, the only argument he'd come up with that I couldn't counter is that sports is unpredictable. You never know the outcome. You're always surprised by how it turns out. And okay, I had to concede on that point. However, as you can tell, he really did get my goat, and his arguments still are under my skin to this very day. So now, one of my side projects is I'm always on the lookout for stuff that proves that sports fans are the biggest suckers going. And here is perhaps the latest evidence. The Super Bowl is coming up in another week or two, and the NFL is looking to charge fans $200 to stand in the parking lot. Well, I have to be specific here, not the actual parking lot, a grassy patch in the parking lot. And you get to watch the game on an HD TV. Oh, and you have to buy a minimum of four tickets to get in. So let me get this straight. I'm sure most sports fans already have their HD TV so they can fully enjoy the game. But still, NFL fans are lining up around the block to fly down to Dallas, book an overpriced hotel room, and then spend $800 remember you have to buy four tickets at $200 each to stand outside of the stadium and watch the game on TV. Yeah, that's right. I'll keep spending $12 to go to the movies and I'm the sucker. And that'll about do it for this week's show. Don't forget to check out the other corners of my online empire. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash chaosinabox. Check out my blog, chaosinabox.blogspot.com. And don't forget the main hub of it all, www.chaosinabox.com. I'm Mark Kappas. This has been the Targ. I will see you next week. of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. Well, that was pointless. Yeah.